Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the Give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. All right, this morning, uh, let me introduce you, okay? I get the opportunity to introduce you to God, okay? And we're doing this every single week this way for a bit. Last week, uh, as Gabby was just saying, uh, I really enjoyed Rick Manis' message uh, on the father being a nurturer. Did you guys enjoy that as well? It was awesome. I walked away from that, like, thinking on it for days, just about, God, you're a nurturer. Like, you're, you're, you're one that cares about the little details. You, you will come and you'll sit with me and you'll, it's just, that's the kind of God he is. And it's just mind-blowing. When you look at what mankind comes up with, right, it's always us coming and bowing down and being super afraid. And God says, no, what I'm really like is a nurturer. Come sit with me. Come, come have fun. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Let me introduce you to God who is fun. God is fun. I, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon on this. It's kind of a hard thing to capture when it comes to God, right? It's very ethereal, if you will. But in a lot of ways, you can see how God is fun. And what I want you to catch this morning is, is that what that word fun really means is enjoyable. God is enjoyable. Oh, man, I don't, know if, if, I don't know what part of the journey you came in on, okay? If it was like the 90s where I kind of came in at the tail end there, it looked a certain way. A lot of PSAs out there, if you know what I mean, you know? Uh, say no to, to, to something, you know? And, and that was always happening even in the church. It was say no to something. And I thought, I was like, man, God, you're, just, you're always telling me what not to do, you know? Like, that's not a whole lot of fun. Maybe, maybe you're the kind of person that believes that God has put some kind of epic story on you. Like you're, you've got a journey that's going to take a whole lifetime, but with God's help, I'll get there. I don't know what burden you think God has placed upon you, but that's not fun, okay? It's not fun if you think you're Moses, by the way. Go ask Moses how much fun he had. He didn't, okay? All the way to the very end. So look, whatever the stress is, whatever you think your father is putting on you because, well, I need you to do this, or I'm disappointed in you, or what, get rid of all of that, because God is fun. He is so enjoyable, and he is so much fun, and it's going to be fun to talk about it this morning. Now, when I first got saved, and I got this window behind me, and when I first got saved, uh, let me see if I can even do this, Uh, the window... Hey, that's a nice window. Uh, the window of my heart was wide open. You know, I, I had just gotten saved, and I, one of the first things I discovered was that God was fun. In fact, I found it interesting that God made jokes. Did you know that God makes jokes? Oh, he's hilarious, too. He's so funny. And, and he'll, he'll joke with you the way that you joke, okay? So look, some of you guys are absolutely going to disagree with what I'm about to say, and that's okay. But God with me is very sarcastic. I mean, like, he is hilariously sarcastic. I know it's of the devil and all that, but he, he's so good at it. <laughs> so, but he cracks me up, you know? I mean, there's so many times where he'll sit there and just say to me, really? <laughs> like, you really are going to go do that? Or, you know, whatever. It's like we have that kind of relationship. So I figured this out really, really quick. I remember when I first got saved, I remember I found out that he was funny. I, I was laying in bed, and I've told you all this story, but I was, I was like, it was like 1 in the afternoon. You know, I was a 19-year-old, and my eyes popped open, and I was so in love with God. You know, I was like, good morning, God. And he goes, you mean good afternoon? <laughs> and I swear I heard my own dad's voice. You know, it was amazing how he channeled you. But, uh, <laughs> but... 
God is fun. He was funny. He's cracking jokes at me, kind of like my dad. I was like, hey, this is fun. You know, then I remember I was driving in my car one day, and I said, God, I, uh, <laughs> I was 19, y'all. I said, God, I, I really want a cool voice. Like, I don't know. Like, that'd be fun to be able to sing and have an awesome voice. And I said, God, that'd be really cool. And he, he responded, and he said, will you sing for me? I was like, you're inquisitive. Like, you know the answer to that question, and yet you asked, you asked me. He, he wanted to talk. He wanted to have relationship. And that's what I quickly discovered as a believer, is that God is fun, and he wants a fun relationship with you. So I invite you into this message today. If you think that God is not fun or that God has some element of ever not being fun, no, we absolutely are worshiping a God who is a party animal. He is a celebrating party animal. Yeah, this is the kind of God we have. Yeah, we can celebrate in here too. That sounds good. All right, so let's take a look at who absolutely ruins the party and who always makes a party. Jesus covered this very quickly in John 10.10. Take a look. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Woo boy, you don't, you don't really probably understand what that word means because really that word doesn't translate into the English very well. Like it's, it's hard for us to really capture abundance, right? We live in America, so we live in nonstop abundance. Like even if you're the poorest of the poor, you have an abundance that other countries don't even know. Like we are just a country of abundance. So it's hard for us to understand this concept. But let's start with the obvious. The enemy is the one that comes and lays a burden on you. He's the one that comes to you and tells you that God has this master plan for your life and blah, blah, blah. He absolutely twists the, the, the Lord's words. He twists your father's words to get you to think anything other than God is fun. Because who doesn't want to hang out with someone who's fun? <laughs> Everybody would. So no, God's not fun. In fact, isn't it interesting that one of the very first things that the enemy tried to say to me, tried to get me before I believed in Jesus, I remember that fight, that struggle, and all I kept thinking is, is that God's going to take everything from me. He's going to take all of the music from me. He's going to take my band from me. He's going to take my, all this stuff. It was all about what he would take from me, and Jesus just described whose voice that really was. It wasn't my father saying, give me all your stuff. It was the devil saying, he's going to take everything from you. Meanwhile, we know that God is actually a charitable, cheerful giver, right? He's one that lavishly gift gives. Like, this is what your dad's really like. Can I tell you, for every single bit of garbage rock and roll that I lost, okay, because I loved the music I was playing, but let me be honest, we weren't going very far, okay? And so I love, and if we did, it'd be even more confusing. But I look at what God did. He brought to me something called worship. He said, check this out. You can play music, and it's not just about music. It's about the eternal. You want to talk about a rock concert? I play for millions and billions of people, and I play with them as we worship Jesus together. That's way, way better than anything I lost. So this is how God works. He gives in an abundance. He gives an abundance. I think it's interesting that the very first miracle Jesus performs is where? At a party. It's at a celebration. It's at a wedding. <laughs> and he turns water into the very thing that many Christians say shouldn't even happen, right? Wine. <laughs> what? You know, Jesus is a party animal. He said he's ready to have a good time. He brought the good stuff out. So the Bible says. You can get mad at the Bible, not me. <laughs> so let's look at this word together. Parisos. I'm saying that probably wrong, but it means superabundant. 
All right, this word, it, it's an overflowing idea, and it's something that you couldn't expect. The best way I can see this in my mind is that, like, scene in a, in a show or something where, like, the person walks over and opens the door and, like, balls all fall out or something, and it's obviously not what they expected, right? Well, it's that kind of an idea with God where you just open the door with him, and it's like, oh, I didn't even expect all of this. I didn't even expect all of this goodness. I didn't expect all this life. Right? It's so much more abundant than anything we can possibly imagine. And what the Bible calls this is a fancy word that Christians have just utterly lost the point in, and it's called blessed. This is the idea of being blessed. You and I are blessed, and as you'll see in just a moment, it's not something you're trying to become. You are blessed because you've been given everything pertaining to life and godliness because God wants to have fun with you. He, you can't have fun. I can't go ride my bike with my son if he can't ride a bike. You know what I mean? It doesn't work. So God gives you everything so that we can get to having fun. Like this is the kind of life that he has. Where we are blessed and we don't have want. We don't have, his life is so big that even our needs, even your bills as we prayed about just a few moments ago, even the things that we're stressed out over, God says my life is, is so much fun that it's going to take care of even that for you. So before we celebrate, before we have this massive celebration that's coming, God first says that we got to invite everybody to the party. we got to get everyone here because this is going to be so much fun. I don't want anybody to miss out, and you've got to come. And the amazing part is he uses you and me as the invitations to the greatest party ever. Like, you're an invitation. Did you know that? Everywhere you go, you are inviting people to something, and you can invite them to the greatest party there will ever be. Let's read this together. In John 10, he continues after talking about the thief. He goes, look, he's talking to his disciples. They're Jewish. He goes, look, I have other sheep. They're not of this fold. I got to bring them in too, and they'll hear my voice, and they'll become, we will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me. Now listen to this. This is what God, the Father, looked at his son, and he goes, man, I love this about you. I lay down my life so that I may take it again. Nobody has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it back up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Now let me ask you something. Did any part of that sound like Jesus was a little bit upset that he had to come all the way back down there and fix all this and all that? Nope. Did it sound like he was angry? I can't even get over these people. No. Nope. Did it sound like he's in? No. It sounded almost like he's going to have a little fun, <laughs> if it was being honest, right? It's a little bit of a thing of, no, 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 nobody takes my life. <laughs> no, I laid it down, and I thought that was fun. I, 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 I willingly gave this to you as a fun thing, and my father said, man, you are so cool. <laughs> like, that's the relationship the father and son have. If you don't believe me, Let's read together. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He authored and perfected faith. Of faith. By the way, make sure your version takes that hour out of there, right? I mean, you can read that if you know what it means, but it's really perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, which means he didn't even consider it, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him. God is a God who has fun. And even in the moments that cost him his life, even the moments that absolutely were torture and absolutely were painful and all of that, his view is not like our view. <laughs> He saw the joy in all of it. It's the only thing that kept him on that cross and not nuking everything. <laughs> it was just the love that he had for us. 
It was joyful. He knew the reward that was coming from his actions, and that was that we would be blessed, and that brought him such joy. Jesus, when he's on the earth, is always confusing. He's always partying with, with sinners. He's always hanging out with sinners. And, 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 the, and the religious bunch, they always hate that, right? They always, you always look at that and think, why are you having so much fun, you know? You, any of y'all remember that? You ever try to have fun in a church and got told to stop having fun? Because I've been there. <laughs> Some of y'all should have been told to stop. You know it. But uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. Thanks. So Jesus is partying with the sinners, and, and, and I love this. He's talking to his disciples, and he says, okay. I, I, I mean, he's talking to really everybody. He goes, I, I see what's happening here. See, you may not know this, but before Jesus came, there were many people that came that called themselves the Messiah. Like they said, I'm the one who's come and all this stuff. And they led people into cults and all kinds of crazy stuff. And one of the things people would say is that you don't need the law. The law is evil and prophets and all that stuff. And they tried to constantly throw this stuff away. And so listen to what Jesus says. He wasn't arguing with Christians or legalists, really. He was, he was really just stating the facts. He goes, look, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets, right? The idea is not that, right? But to fulfill them, that word means to complete as to never be done again. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. <laughs> whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, here it is, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Ooh, boy, that's a tall order because these guys were obsessed with the law. These guys were keeping it so clean that they were like, you know, we're going to put a rule in front of a rule to make sure we don't even come close to breaking that rule. I mean, that's like what they were doing. If you don't get the point, Jesus is saying that's impossible. You have to have a righteousness that goes so far beyond anybody who's ever thought they were perfect. It's impossible. Jesus is really talking about, I'm not here to abolish the very thing that's going to point at how awesome I am. <laughs> he says, no, 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 I'll complete it. So that it's no longer the law that's so awesome. It's me that's so awesome. You see? He becomes greater than all of that. He becomes the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, which, whoo, wow, you were able to do it all the way to the point of death. Like, this is what Jesus did. He was going to fulfill it so it didn't need to be abolished. He would become the greatest so he would be before everything. Like, that's how awesome God is. And if you want to know, if you want to know what it looks like and why God doesn't put it to you to keep the law and all that and why he gave you the superiority of the Spirit, it's because you can do things that the people at this time thought was crazy. I don't know if you would find this fun or not, but God finds this fun. That you can go to your enemy and love them. That you can go to somebody who's making your life miserable and bless them. Like mean it, not like, I have to bless you. <sighs> okay, I forgive you. Like that's not it. And actually I would tell you, don't do that. <laughs> that's not God. No, you'll know it's him because you'll look at someone you should hate and you'll say, I don't know why, but I got nothing. I, I forgive you. I love you. I wish you the best. This has happened to me. Maybe it's happened to you where you can't explain it. I'm blessing my enemy. I'm, I'm loving somebody. I'm forgiving somebody that doesn't deserve it. Right? And this is what Jesus says, that, look, the reason why I didn't come to abolish the law is because I need to create this new life that's so much superior to that. As long as you have someone in the room, a law, telling you to go forgive, you'll never do it. But the moment that you have love in your heart, you'll go do it without anyone telling you. You see the difference? 
And that's what Jesus was doing. You want to have fun? Stop looking at your sin and stop, start sitting with him. Look, Hebrews 10.2, look at this. This is what happens, is that we were so obsessed. Every little sacrifice for sin reminds you of sin. Look at this. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, these sacrifices for sin? Because once you did that, you'd be cleansed and no longer have consciousness of it. The idea is, is that the more and more and more we obsess over not having fun, which, by the way, is just looking at your failure. We sung about it this morning, looking at your sin. That's, none of that's fun, you guys. God wants you to come over here and have fun, so he took care of all of that for you. Come have fun with your father. Put your eyes on him. Look at what he says, Ephesians 2. God is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive with Christ. He raised us up. He seated us so that in the ages to come, pause, pause for a moment. What did he do? He raised you up and he seated you, past tense. This is not a future thing. This is you. And here's why. Here's why he did it. To show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards you in Christ Jesus. I don't know what it takes to humble a person, okay? But that is very humbling. To think, God thought so much about me. I'm going to make it personal for a moment. That God thought so much about me that despite anything I had ever done, despite whatever I'll ever do, he thought it important to raise me up and to seat me with Christ so that for all of eternity, he can show off his kindness to me. That's why God did it. That's why your father did it. He loves having fun. He loves having fun. In Luke 14, he tells this story. He goes, listen, I'm going to tell you a story. It's like a kingdom. And this king, he, he wanted to have a huge celebration, a huge party. <laughs> Who's that sound like? And he says he, he sends out the invite to everybody who should be here, the friends, the family, the neighbors, you know, people that should come. And, and every single one of them had something they had to do. They just couldn't make it. You know, oh, I can't, sorry. This is the king. <laughs> this is not your buddy. This is the king inviting you to a royal, oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm busy, I'm busy. So the king then says, fine, you know what, go out and get the poor, get the blind, get the crippled. Get everybody who can't say no because, oh, my gosh, that sounds awesome. That sounds great. They, they get it. They see it. He goes, not only just that, I want you to go to the foreigners. Go to the ones that are just in other countries. Invite them to come and sit at my table. And I imagine a servant would have asked, King, why? Why would you do this? And Jesus says it in the story. He says, because I want my house to be filled. Because I want my house to be filled. So why is God doing everything because we deserve it? No, not because of anything about us, but because he wants his house to be filled. Why? Because he's so much fun that he's going to throw the biggest party you have ever experienced, and it never ends. So the house has got to be full. Amen? Amen. So we are the invitation to the greatest celebration. Let's read this together in Revelations 22:17. The spirit and the bride, that's me and you, say... Come, and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost, come. We are having dinner soon, come. This is what you and I get to do every single day, is go out into the world and invite people to come. You don't have to fight everybody for your opinions. You don't have to fight everybody over everything. We don't have to fight at all, in fact. We can just simply, we just sang it this morning. This is how I fight my battles. Do we mean that? 
Because if so, then that's the truth, is we can just worship him. We can just celebrate. We can go be this invitation to say, come. And I think I'm going to, I really do think that this is the key for us. It's found in this word called rejoice. Like this is the word that I think all of us need today. That all of us need as we talk about God being fun is this word rejoice. So I encourage you this morning, rejoice. And I say again, right, rejoice. Some of us remember the song from, from way back. You know, I still remember from being a kid, rejoice. And I say rejoice, I can still hear the band and everything going on, right? And the idea was, I thought at the time, celebration. Like that's what we're doing. We're celebrating. Rejoice, rejoice. You know what this word means? This word's awesome. Check this word out. Cairo, it means to delight in God's grace, to experience God's grace and be conscious or glad for his grace. This is the simplest thing you will ever need to do, okay, to rejoice. And it is so powerful for you and for me. It's so powerful because it reminds us that our God, our Father, is fun, is that we can Delight in his grace. Do you ever just sit and delight in his grace? How often do you just turn off the phone, the TVs, everything, just get it all out and just sit with him and delight in his grace? God, I'm going to sit right here and just let you love me. Do you ever do that? You might be so surprised at what happens. He shows up and he'll love you and he'll show you things. He'll talk to you if you make a little time. And once you've experienced that grace, you will now be conscious or glad of how much God loves you. And when you have, the word was there, experienced that, it changes everything. Oh, man, suddenly you find yourself joyful in the worst situations. Let me give you an example of what this looks like. In Luke 15, 1 through 2, Jesus is sitting with tax collectors. He's sitting again with the sinners. He's once again partying with the people he's not supposed to be partying with. And I love this. He's sitting here, and look at what they say. Both the Pharisees and the scribes, they look at him and they go, man, this man receives sinners and eats with them. God is not the buzzkill. We are the buzzkill, just so you know. <laughs> so get this. Jesus is sitting at a table with all of these sinners, and the window, if you will, is wide open. Now, this is important. Because there's a lot of people outside these doors that we want to reach. A lot of people that are listening online right now that we want to hear this message. And it's really, really important to know that when Jesus was sitting with sinners, their window was wide open. Oh, man, they were listening to him. They were receiving all the things he was saying. They were taking it in. They just enjoyed his company because Jesus was fun. Because God is fun. So he tells this story. He's talking to these guys, and he says, I'm going to tell you all three stories about why God is such a celebratory, fun-loving God. He goes, because he always celebrates things that are lost that get found. And when they get found, oh, you don't understand. It's not like when you and I find something in our luxurious America where we go, oh, I found that extra thing I lost. No, this is like when you lost the thing that you couldn't exist without. I watched one time in Mexico this happen. I watched a lady. She had a cart full of groceries. It had taken her all day to get those groceries. It fell over. One egg broke, and she absolutely was bawling on the pavement. One egg. That's the people we're talking about here. This is, this, is the, this is the type of loss we're talking about here. And Jesus is talking to these guys. Their, their window is wide open. They're listening to everything he's saying. And he goes, look, I want to tell you something. God, he's not somebody who loses things and doesn't care. No, he first he talks about the sheep. He goes, there's 99 sheep. Some of y'all might say, you got 99. Like, what's the one was a knucklehead anyway? That thing was always taken off, you know? <laughs> he goes, no, he goes, 
He sees a beard back, and he goes after the one. And listen to this. He says, and when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my sheep, which was lost. The window's wide open. Everybody's receiving this. Wow. He would go after even me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, how about this? How about a woman who, she's got these coins and she loses one of them. She turns all the lights on in the house and she's looking all over for the coins. She should have checked the couch. We all know where they go. And so she's, she's looking everywhere. When she finds it, what does it say? It says, and when she, has, uh, when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. Oh, man, if that wasn't enough of the people, maybe the Pharisees in the back were still kind of crossing their arms saying, like, who is this guy and all this? And he goes, I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you a story about a son who's lost. And you all know the story of the prodigal son, and he goes away, and he's lost. And for all intensive purposes, he's dead. I don't know if you've ever had a situation like that. I've experienced that where somebody was so far gone, it almost was as if, like, I don't know if they're still here. Like, it's, it feels like loss. The father experienced that. And when he sees his son come running home, you know the story. He heads to the son. He runs to the son, wraps his arms around the son, dresses the son, puts a ring on, all this stuff. The son's trying to get out the apology, and the father can't even hear it. He's like, yeah, son, shut up. Like, I'm just here to love you. I'm so glad you're home. <laughs> and everybody sitting around Jesus is hearing this, and the window is wide open. And they're receiving this incredible word, except for the people in the back saying, I can't even believe this grace stuff. <laughs> Luke 15, 32, Jesus says this, but we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and he's begun to be alive and is lost and he's, he was lost, but now he's found. We have to celebrate. Do you understand that's how God feels all the time? We have to celebrate. We have to celebrate because things that were lost have been found. And he's gonna do this, by the way, for all of eternity. It's going to be a constant celebration of what has been found. <laughs> Let me prove it to you. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 15. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. You know what that means? That is, that's the equivalent of being put on the car in the parade and being told, go ahead and go down the street and just wave at everybody. Wave at all of your, all your enemies and all the people who hate you and just wave. That's what he just said. He leads us in triumph always. And manifest through us, here's that invitation, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are, being per are perishing. We are a fragrant aroma. And that's why the windows have to be open. The smell's got to go all the way in. You've got to let people smell that baked apple pie, you know. You've got you to hear it coming. This is who you and I are. Listen to this, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love as Christ always loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as what? A fragrant aroma. This is grace, you guys. In just a moment, I'm going to kind of wrap this up, but I want to, I want to give you an idea. This is the idea is that Jesus, when he was teaching... We often look at the things he's saying as, God, check this, or check this out. Here's how you guys can have fun. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, he gives the Beatitudes. He teaches, blessed are those who blank, right? He's teaching you how to have fun. 
Oh, you want to be blessed? You want to have the best life ever? Well, blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be sons of God. Now, you can read that in Matthew chapter 5 through one understanding, which is, okay, there's the path. There's the path of how to be blessed. And many people do, in fact, and post that on their wall. Or you can read this from what Jesus finished and understand that this was all about him. Look, this is hard for us. It can have two meanings. It can have implications to us. And yet, it all be about Jesus. So this whole list of blessings, blessed are the gentle, uh, they'll inherit the earth. Well, I think he did that. Uh, Bless are peacemakers, they'll be called sons of God. Well, that's what he is. He literally took all of these things and he taught everybody. You all know how to be blessed? Here it is. Now watch me. I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to go get it. And I'm going to come give it to you. And that's what God did. So now when you read the Beatitudes, what you should read is everything backwards. You should say, I'm a son of God. Therefore, I am a peacemaker. <laughs> and I am blessed. Like that's how you and I read these scriptures now. So when we go out into the world today, when you leave here today, you are blessed. Because God thought that would be so much fun. And he gave that to you so that you could take that fun, take it out there, show it off to the world so that they smell that fragrant aroma and they go, I got to know this God. I got to know this one who is so much different than everything I ever thought. Colossians 2.15 says, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. This is what you get to go tell the entire world. So read the Beatitudes the right way around. Read everything through Jesus, and you'll start to see that Scripture's not about how to have fun. It's that God is fun, and fun is in you, (laughs) so you can go have fun. I want to read one last Scripture with you and talk about this window for just a moment. In Philippians 4, 4 through 8, it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now let's pause. Y'all now know what that means. Sit. Let him confirm all of the things about himself, experience who he is, and you'll find yourself being filled with joy. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good. If there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on those things. Boy, if I could invite all of you this morning to an invitation to let me introduce you to God this morning. This is the way God works. He is an open window kind of God. He never closes the window on you, and he'll sit there and just let you sit with him and talk with him. We're living in such a time where, as I said earlier, it's hard to know what to do. It's hard to know what's truth, what's not true. CDC says this, but then this guy said that, or there's a YouTube thing on that. And we're living in just the strangest of times. And yet, be encouraged, because we still have all that we need. And and for, for example, rather than focusing on social media, right, rather than focusing on whatever comes on the news, instead of all of that, what if we just for a season shut all that stuff down, or, you know, temper it, (laughs) Okay, and just go sit with your dad and just go sit with him and just worship. I want to tell you two quick stories. Um, First off, the Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So I ask you today, do you feel free? Because you are free. But we don't often feel free because we, we allow the thief 
to lump stuff into our lives and to say things to us, and we should just listen to our dad who is fun. <laughs> if it doesn't sound like fun, it's probably not from him. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all you do be done in love. You know, right now we're living in a time where uh, many people, due to one reason or the other, have closed their window. They're not interested not only in God, they're just not interested in like anything, right? We, we've become this society that prides itself on shame. We think that shame, we sung about it this morning, but we think that shame gets things done. <laughs> and if you ever had a family member that operated that way, you know it can get things done. <laughs> you can feel bad enough to get stuff done. I believe most of us at this point have felt bad enough that we've all kind of closed our windows and we've said, you know what, I just don't even want to. I said on the front side of this message, right, I said, how many of y'all are just kind of tired? Right, this is what tired looks like. And what happens is when tired is like this, you get smudges on the windows, you lean up against the windows, stuff starts happening. And I believe in our culture right now, what we're seeing are smudges on a window. And they're on both sides. And we're looking at each other, we're, we're looking at opposing views, opposing, opposing opinions and thoughts. And, and what it often looks like is somebody who's got their, their spray bottle, and look, they're cleaning their side of the deal. And they're sitting here, and they're scrubbing, and they're spraying, and they're kind of giving you a look to the window of like, you going to do something too? I'm over here cleaning my window. And if you're on this side of the window, it's not any fun, is it? You, you don't feel like you're being invited into a conversation. You feel like, I'm just going to back away from this window. <laughs> this person is squirting like crazy on the window. I don't know what's going on. And I believe we're living in such a day and age we need to be the invitations to fun that we're supposed to be. Right? You don't have to fight everybody on everything. That's not our job. We don't have to do that. We can just love people. You know? But I can give you something better to do. Just worship God. You know, Paul and Silas, they found themselves in a jail cell. Can I tell you, they didn't do anything that deserved to be there. They were mistreated, misjudged. All of it was wrong. They never went to social media about it. I'm just saying. There's a, there's a greater point I want you to see through this. They didn't go to do all of those things. Instead, what they did is, is they got down on their knees and they began to praise God and they began to pray. And you know what happened? The entire jail fell down. The entire thing destroyed. The entire, <laughs> the entire household of a jailer changed because they didn't fight the battle. They got down and just said, I'm going to worship. And you know what happened? That jailer opened up his window. And he said, man, oh, man, what do I got to do to be saved? Let me tell you another story. Daniel, remember Daniel? Daniel was a minority, if you will. He got himself arrested for praying. And he got thrown into a lion's den. Y'all want to talk about unfair? You want to talk about messed up? He was praying. And he got thrown into a lion's den. And all the people who hated him loved it. And the next day, and all he was doing, by the way, was praying at an open window. Next day, king comes down. Y'all know the story. They go in. He's totally fine. Did you know that because Daniel didn't fight any, he didn't go try to change the opinions of anybody. He just got down on a knee and he said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to worship him. Do you know that entire kingdom changed? They changed the rules for the whole kingdom. Look, we're living in a day and age right now where America's got a lot of stuff we gotta change, okay? Because any culture is always going to have things we gotta change. And the temptation is gonna be to stop having fun, 
and get over here and start spraying your window as hard as you possibly can. And I'm not suggesting that you don't do a little scrubbing. <laughs> Maybe there's something you need to get rid of. But I can tell you this right now, what will make the biggest impact on the world today will not be you voicing your opinions on Facebook. It will not be you shaming or judging somebody based on anything, even if they're wrong, by the way. <laughs> no, it'll be you leaving your window open and worshiping God so that the whole world can hear the sound and believe. Father, we, uh, we need life and peace. We're living in a day and age where there's very little going around, it seems. And yet, you are the ultimate source of it. Lord, I wonder if during this season, if people will open up their windows and take a chance on you, Lord. God, in March, one of the number one Googled things was prayer. Oh, people always need you when things go wrong. But Lord, I pray during this season that we, your people, would show how fun God is. That we would show how fun you are. And that people would be invited into the greatest celebration they've ever encountered. Lord, that thing you did in my heart, I pray you do it in everybody all around. Thank you.